Hello everyone and welcome to the June 14th edition of WorkComp Weekly News. I'm Troy Slayton with Floyd Scarron and Kelly. Let's get started with our litigation report. A new case in the Court of Appeal will review the sudden and extraordinary event requirements for psychiatric claims made by workers with less than six months of employment. Juan Campos was admittedly employed for less than six months as a tree climber and cutter when he sustained an industrial injury. He was cutting a tree which he estimated to be at least 80 feet tall. He had already removed the lower branches and was halfway up the tree 40 to 50 feet in the air. Then while cutting the trunk with a chainsaw, suddenly the top of the tree struck him in the chest. The work comp judge found that he sustained an industrial injury to his head, neck, back, bilateral knees, bilateral shoulders, chest, and psyche. They also found that his injury was caused by a sudden and extraordinary event of employment. The WCJ, in finding applicant's injury was caused by a sudden and extraordinary employment condition, relied upon the sudden nature of the incident and the applicant's testimony that he had never been involved in a similar incident in his 13 years as a tree cutter. Applicant was determined to be totally and permanently disabled. Labor Code Section 3208.3D requires that for a psychiatric injury, the employee must have had at least six months of employment or show that the psychiatric injury was caused by a sudden and extraordinary employment condition. The state fund petitioned for reconsideration, arguing that the facts of this case do not meet the sudden and extraordinary requirement. The WCAB granted reconsideration and reversed the award. They agreed that the applicant's injury was caused by a sudden event, but it could not be characterized as an extraordinary event. It was not objectively reasonable to conclude that the risk of such injury was outside the ordinary risks and hazards of his occupation as a tree cutter. The accident was the type which would be expected to arise from the occupation. Applicant then filed a petition for writ of review in the First District Court of Appeal, which was granted on June 4th. The parties did not object to waiving oral argument. At this point, the record is complete and the matter is submitted for decision. Nearly a decade after the 9-11 disaster in New York, claims by first responders for injuries are inching toward a resolution. First responder workers injured or afflicted may receive as much as, much as $712 million in compensation according to a settlement offer to resolve federal litigation. More than 11,000 firefighters, police officers, construction workers, and EMS workers suffered injury and experienced long-term respiratory problems due to inhaling that toxic dust that emitted from the rubble in and around Ground Zero. Workers who contracted severe respiratory problems could get between $800,000 to $1 million in compensation. Plaintiffs who don't have any qualifying injuries but have a fear of getting sick will get $3,250 each. 95% of the 10,000 plaintiffs must agree on the settlement by September 30th. At the same time, workers who are involved in cleanup operations in the Gulf oil spill disaster are reporting a variety of symptoms from their exposure to various toxins. Last week, the Unified Command in Louisiana, the coalition of government agencies handling the emergency response, had to recall 125 boatloads of workers because of medical complaints. Hospitals are reporting a surge in medical conditions following the exposure to the oil slick and the dispersants utilized to break up the slick. 
According to some environmental experts, the chemical dispersants have the potential to cause just as much, if not more harm to humans coming into contact with it than the oil possibly would have if left untreated. There is yet to be an analysis of the potential for workers' compensation claims by cleanup workers arising out of the many exposures across the many Gulf states. And some industry experts predict that some of the costs may even affect non-Gulf states, including California. Claims will undoubtedly trigger reinsurance and excess exposure provisions of various risk management strategies. In turn, reinsurance and excess exposure carriers will raise premiums nationwide to recover the costs. At first glance, it would seem probable that the potential Gulf oil cleanup industrial claims over the next decade will markedly outnumber the 11,000 World Trade Center claims. Every day, the tragedy in the Gulf continues to expand in size and scope. And now for our fraud report. A Solano County Solano County Deputy, District, Deputy Sheriff was arrested for alleged workers' compensation insurance fraud. Michael Oster of Elk Grove was arrested this Wednesday and booked into the Sacramento County Jail on $10,000 bail. He was charged with concealing an event affecting an insurance benefit, which is a felony. If convicted, he faces in between one and five years in prison or fines. In 2007, Oster filed a workers' compensation claim with Solano County, alleging an injury to his left knee. Oster received his full paycheck pursuant to Labor Code Section 4850 during the first year he was off of work. After receiving one year of 4850 benefits, Oster began to receive TTD payments from the County of Solano. He later received long-term disability payments from the California Law Enforcement Association. An investigation revealed that Oster allegedly concealed the fact that he was working for another employer while collecting these benefits. Oster purportedly earned over $67,000 from Western Career College and received over $19,000 from the California Law Enforcement Association. He failed to disclose these earnings, resulting in an overpayment of benefits. Salinas chiropractor Robert Ray Schreiner was charged, last, was charged with 16 felony counts last week and he surrendered to authorities. He is charged with conspiring to deny injured workers their workers' compensation benefits, filing fraudulent insurance claims, and making false statements, statements to an insurer. In 2006, two Smurfett Stone Container Corporation employees complained that workers, workers were being discouraged from filing workers' compensation claims for injuries sustained at the Salinas plant by two Smurfett Stone managers. Smurfett Stone is a manufacturer of paperboard and paper-based packaging and is an international corporation headquartered in Chicago. Smurfett Stone managers David Polk and Douglas Tetioka pled guilty to misdemeanors last week. Chiropractor Schreiner is the owner of California Chiropractic Center and Golden State Physical Therapy. He allegedly treated at least six Smurfett Stone employees who reported to him that they were injured at work. Schreiner purportedly attempted to convince them that their injuries were from non-work-related activities. The injured workers were required to pay for deductibles and co-payments for treatments that should have been processed through workers' compensation at no out-of-pocket cost to the workers. In addition, Schreiner allegedly billed private health insurance for claims that should have been processed through workers' compensation. 
Part of Schreiner's alleged motivation to participate in the scheme was an arrangement with Polk to send workers to Schreiner for these treatments and for pre-employment evaluations and to establish, quote, wellness programs for pay at the Smurfett's Dome plant. In the last 10 years, the California Medical Board has taken the licenses of over 1,000 doctors. The most common reason was negligence, followed by drug or alcohol abuse and mental illness. Sexual misconduct accounted for 113 cases and 68 doctors lost their licenses for conviction of a crime. Although some doctors spent as much time in prison as they did in medical school, when they were able to show rehabilitation, they are given a second chance to treat patients. The Orange County Register examined records of 123 doctors who sought reinstatement in the past decade after they lost their licenses for misconduct or negligence. More than half were able to satisfy a judge and the medical board that they were fit to practice. Among the 66 who were reinstated, 16 got into trouble again. Those of you who were involved in claims during the early 90s will remember Beverly Hills psychiatrist Mark Kaplan. He was arrested in 1993 and charged with bilking the workers' compensation system out of $30 million. Prosecutors said Kaplan hired cappers to recruit thousands of laid-off workers from unemployment lines. He would then file phony injury claims and bill for medical services that were never provided. In 1995, Kaplan pleaded no contest to four counts of insurance fraud and conspiracy and surrendered his medical license. He was sent to Folsom State Prison. After four years in prison, Kaplan's first application for the medical board, first application to the medical board for reinstatement rather, was rejected. In 2004, on his second try though, he was successful. A judge cited his volunteer work with addicts, religious counseling, and references who called him a quote-unquote changed man in support of his reinstatements. Today, Kaplan practices in Los Angeles. And in financial news, California workers' compensation premium volume last year declined for the fifth year in a row to a nine-year low. As the total amount paid into the workers' comp system has decreased, so has the market share for the California State Compensation Insurance Fund. California Fund is still the largest provider of work comp insurance in California, but its market share has declined to 18.6% in 2009, down from 53% during the height of the workers' comp crisis in 2003. As for the entire workers' compensation system, premium in 2009 was down over $9 billion from the record $16.1 billion five years earlier. Premium has dropped in part because fewer Californians are working. Unemployment is at a staggering 12.6% in California. Workers injured on the job will not receive a cost of living increase next year. Injured workers receiving temporary total disability and permanent total disability payments through California's workers' compensation system can receive increases to their benefits each January based on the percentage increase of their state average weekly wage. But the state average weekly wage fell about a half a percent for the year ending March 31st after increasing steadily for several years. As a result, there will be no change in the minimum and maximum temporary total disability and permanent total disability rates for 2011 work injuries, or in several other workers' compensation benefits that are tied to the increases in the state average weekly wage. In addition, 
life pension and permanent total disability payments on existing claims as far back as January 1, 2003 won't get a cost of living adjustment. Neither will the maximum rate for death benefit installment payments. And in regulatory developments, the CWCI published a study this year claiming that the so-called spinal hardware pass-through payments created a financial incentive to perform back surgery on injured workers. The incentive was said to cost employers about $55 million. In an apparent response to this long-standing problem, the Division of Workers' Compensation has posted draft revisions to the inpatient hospital fee schedule regulations. The draft includes a modification of when and how additional allowance is permitted for implantable hardware used in complex spinal injuries. This effort is part of the 12-point DWC plan to monitor and help control medical costs in California's workers' compensation system. Under the proposed regulations, hospitals will have an annual choice in how they would be reimbursed for complex spinal surgery using implantable hardware. A written election must be filed with the administrative director each year to be effective for one year. The hospital will be required to submit a detailed invoice pertaining to the implanted hardware accompanied with a certification attesting to the accuracy of the cost of the items. Anyone interested in voicing approval or disapproval of this proposed regulation has only until June 22nd to post comment on the DWC public forum. And in other news, the Joint Power Insurance Authority has canceled the comp coverage for the city of Maywood because it views the municipality as too high a risk. The cancellation was also caused by the city's failure to hire a new city manager as well as recent officer-involved shootings. There have been at least two officer-involved shootings since the start of the year. In April, officers shot and killed a knife-wielding man who was stabbing a woman. In May, officers shot and wounded a man, but the circumstances surrounding that shooting have not been released. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department is investigating the shootings. Officials reported a workers' compensation case involving an officer who was hospitalized in May after an alleged drunk driver crashed into her police cruiser. City officials say that this termination potentially puts the city in the position where it cannot continue to operate and its police department cannot continue to operate, rather, its police department and provide other essential city services. The history of the Maywood Police Department has made it difficult for the city to obtain insurance coverage. Last year, the state attorney general's office found widespread overuse of force and other gross misconduct in the Maywood Police Department. In response, the department has reorganized in an effort to address those issues. Maywood officials in recent months have been considering a plan to create a joint law enforcement agency with the city of Bell. Maywood might find it easier to regain its coverage through such a partnership. Octomom Nadia Suleiman has settled a long-standing workers' compensation lawsuit against the state for over $23,000. That settlement, originally set at $40,000, was reduced by $6,000 in legal fees and slightly over $10,000 in advance payments. The claim stems from a 1999 injury incurred while she was working as a psychiatric technician at Metropolitan State Hospital. Lean claims from these groups are unresolved by this settlement. Divorced and unemployed, Suleiman, be Suleiman became mother to the world's longest living set of octuplets on January 26, 2009. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions, and much, much more.
And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPod, or the really cool new iPad by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm attorney Troy Slayton with Floyd, Scarin and Kelly. Thanks for joining us, and please visit us again next week for more news.